Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 63 of the Physician Assistant Exam Review Podcast. This week we're going to be continuing with The Eyeball. Hello and welcome. Again, my name is Brian Wallace. I'm the host and creator here at Physician Assistant Exam Review. And this week, we're going to be continuing with uh, our study of the eyeball. Now, the eyeball is not exactly my uh, best subject. It is not something I work on in uh, my practice almost at all. I do some orbital fractures, uh, but pretty rarely. So that's, uh, like I said, just not my area of expertise. But that being said, this section is not very hard. Uh, getting to know all the stuff you need to know for the eyeball is pretty straightforward. There's not... Um, it's almost like doing ortho. Everyone kind of gets a little nervous about doing orthopedics when you are studying it. And the answer is it's a lot of vocabulary. It's a lot of vocabulary. It's a lot of memorization of things that you can handle. So that being said, although it's not my favorite area, it's not my area that I am practicing in, it's not a, It's an easy area to get stuff right in. Uh, so we're going to go through, uh, I have a few parts. We're going to cover the eyeball in a couple different sections, uh, break it up a little bit. Again, I like that idea that keeps the... It keeps it in your memory a little bit better. It makes you remember, oh, I was driving in the car here listening to the podcast on, uh, on, uh, uh, now I'm just stuttering through it, trying to come up with something from this, uh, through on blepharitis, coming up with something on blepharitis. And I think breaking it up in that fashion, even if it's, uh, it may be easier or more convenient to run straight through it all, having that little pause, having that little break helps your brain to separate out the pieces. So we're going to continue on with that today. Before we get to our priming questions, I want to talk real quick about the newsletter. I've been getting some really great feedback lately on the newsletter. It's going to be the two-year anniversary. Of, uh, issue number 24 comes out in March, the March edition, and I'm going to do some fun things uh, for people who are subscribers and do some things I've never done before and give them some opportunities I've never given them before. So that should be great. But uh, it's going to be the 24th issue. And one of the things I just got back from the February issue was uh, one a subscriber actually wrote in and said, um, I took your advice from February's newsletter and it worked and worked on getting uh, doing all the things you said you would you said, which I'm not going to talk about here uh, on the show and all the things you talked about doing before studying and before my last exam. And on this exam, I made the highest grade I ever made on an end of rotation exam. Uh, thanks for your help. And that was literally uh, something that you could do, figure out read about and then put into practice the day before your test, two days before your test, the morning of your test. So it's very straightforward stuff. The things that nobody thinks about, things that no one teaches you how to do. And that's really what I use the newsletter for is teaching you how to study, how to uh, improve your grades without studying more, but how to learn how to study better. And that's exactly what the March issue is going to be on. And I don't want to ramble on too far about it here, but the March issue is going to be all about staying out of the weeds. How do you figure out that one of the biggest questions I get, the most common questions I get is, I get so lost in the detail. How much depth do I need to know? What do I need to study? How do, how do I not get lost here forever? And that's something that I try to do a little bit on this show, but I'm going to show you even more how to do it in the March issue of what I did, especially when I took my last pan and I only spent 10 days studying for it. And I had to really chop out the stuff that wasn't that important. And I learned a lot about how to do that, what's valuable, what's not valuable. And I share a lot of that in the March issue. So anyway, uh, that's the newsletter. So you can always find that if you're signed up for the 
for the emails, you'll definitely get information on the newsletter. You won't miss that if you're signed up over there. Uh, so definitely, and if you're not signed up over there, then you definitely should be. Anyway, let's move on with the eyeball and do our priming questions. Is a chalazion or a hordulum more likely to be the result of staph, of a staph infection? Which one is more likely to be the result of a staph infection? A chalazion or a hordulum? Describe an entropion. Describe an entropion. And then name three causes of ectropion. Name three causes of ectropion. So keep your eyes peeled or your ears open, whatever it is, as we go through this and see if you can come up with the answers to those questions uh, before we get to the end. And that paying, and I, I talk about this a lot, but I want to make sure if you're new to the show that you are uh, realizing the value of the priming questions. And that's to get your brain fully engaged. I don't believe in passive studying. I don't believe in just put it on, put your headphones on and go to sleep. I don't think it's all that valuable. What I want you to do is to focus, to pay attention, to work through the material. As we go through this, like I described in the March issue of the Physician Assistant Exam Scholars Newsletter, figure out what's important and what isn't important. There are some things, I try to scale it down a lot in the show here, but there's still a lot of fluff, a lot of extra stuff that is helpful that you kind of need, but is not the most important information out there, right? So try to listen as we go through this stuff and figure out for you, what do you really need? What does the picture in your mind need to look like? So for example, as we go through, uh, we'll start with blepharitis and blepharitis is an infection of the eyelid and acute blepharitis is most commonly caused by staph. It may be viral, but usually it's a staph infection. Another way you get this eyelid infection is uh, seborrheic dermatitis which is uh, dandruff, right? You can get some dandruff in your eyelid and it causes some irritation. It's just, a, it's an effect, it's a skin issue really. Um, and then acne rosacea can also cause blepharitis. So those are two other causes outside of staph or a virus. So this is an eyelid infection. So when you think about blepharitis, you should be thinking about eyelid infection, right? You shouldn't be thinking about this abstract term blepharitis. Uh, clinical presentation, well, how do you think that a eyelid infection or an, an eyelid infection is going to present? What's it gonna look like? Well, the one that's a little weird is gonna you could have loss of eyelashes. And then you're gonna have a red, itchy, burning, scaly, swollen eyelid, right? Now, do you need to memorize each one of those terms? Do you need to memorize that list? No. Picture in your mind a infected eyelid, and that's what this is, right? Labs and studies, you can look at it with a slit lamp. Treatment. Um, if it's uh, dandruff, if it's seborrheic dermatitis, you're gonna clean off the scales and wash it with a warm a wet washcloth with a little shampoo. If it's a bacterial infection, you're going to use topical antibiotics. And if it's a viral infection, you may use oral antivirals. So again, not complicated stuff here. Although, like I said, not my ex area of expertise, maybe not yours, maybe not something you're interested in, but pretty easy to get this stuff right. Sorry, I'm just messing with my notes because, there we go. The formatting looked all out of whack. And if I don't do it now, when I get to post it on the show, on the website, I'll never do it. And then I'll get a bunch of emails telling me how there are mistakes, which is great. I love to get emails that help me fix it. I don't uh, take that the wrong way. I really do appreciate it. I just would rather not have the mistakes in the first place. All right, hordulums or styes. So most people refer to this as a sty. This is an acute infection or abscess in the eyelid. Most common caused by staph, uh, localized to the eyelid margin. So it's right on the margin of the eyelid. And this is a clinical diagnosis, right? You don't need much to identify this. And again, think about, you all know what this looks like. What is the clinical presentation here? The eyelid is red, swollen, and tender. And there's a big bump or abscess at the eyelid margin, right? 
I'm, I'm assuming you've all seen this before, that you can get tearing and photophobia as well. Treatment here is a warm compress for about 48 hours, usually helps. If necessary, you can IND this, and that may, that'll definitely relieve the pain and then help to uh, get the antibiotics in and get rid of the bugs in there. If symptoms do not resolve, consider an oral antibiotic as well. Pretty straightforward stuff. Chalazion is a little bit different, um, slightly different than a sty. And you'll see as we go through, this is a cyst of a clogged, oh, I don't even know how you pronounce this, uh, mamobian gland. We're just going to go with that. These are painless, or I'm sorry, these are less painful than a sty. Styes are that abscess on your eyelid, right? They're really, they hurt. They're uncomfortable. Um, these are relatively painless. They may have some irritation with them, sure, but not quite like a sty. Uh, these are localized to the body of the eyelid, not the margin. And again, a clinical diagnosis. The clinical, um, the presentation is some the growth in the eyelid, right? We get that, <clears throat> sorry, that little bit of a mass from that clogged gland in the eyelid. We get significant eyelid swelling and increased tearing, but not that sharp red lump you get uh, with a sty. Treatment is going to be similar, though. It's going to be a warm compress for a couple days. See how that does. You can do a surgical excision. That's the definitive procedure. You can also inject this with steroids. One of the things I need you to notice and pay attention to, I, and I talk about this all the time, but again, just for anybody who's new listening to the show, is you need to be able to compare things. You don't learn things in a vacuum, right? So blepharitis doesn't really have something to compare to. The other things in the eye, sure, uh, but not a kind of a twin is sort of the way that I look at them, like fraternal twins. Uh, Argillum and Chalazion are kind of those fraternal twins. These are things that are kind of come up and you're going to have to choose between them, right? So you need to figure out what makes them different, how you're going to choose between these two if these are two are answers on your test. Entropion and ectropion are next on our list here. And the same thing goes there, right? These two are fraternal twins. They go together. You're going to have to pull them apart. Cushing's and Addison's disease. Of course, they're both going to be on your test at the same time. You're going to say, oh, I don't know which one it is. It's definitely one of these two. You need to get these straight. You need to develop methods and ways to figure out which one is which so you can separate them. And you don't run into that famous problem of having two really good answers on the test and not being sure which one it is. We'll move on to entropion. This is the eyelid folding inward, so inversion of the eyelid. This is a clinical diagnosis. Causes here can be congenital. Uh, most commonly, it's probably going to be aging with loosening of the muscle and the skin, scarring, and trauma. Treatment, surgical correction may be necessary. So if it's irritating the eye, then you're going to want to fix it. If it's not bothering the person and it isn't really irritating, then you can leave it alone. Ectropion is the other one. And the, uh, this is the eyelid folding outward or eversion of the eyelid. Causes are, again, pretty much the same aging, loosening of the muscle and the skin. Scarring, facial nerve palsy can also cause this, and then trauma. And then treatment here is going to also be surgical correction if necessary. Uh, I struggle with ectropion and entropion. I was just studying last night with my son, his uh, fifth grade science curriculum, and he was covering mixtures and solutions and solutes versus solvents. And the kid's amazing because... He just remembers it. He memorizes it. Uh, I have a good memory. His is unbelievable. And I was we studied last night, and he got them all right, of course. <laughs> it's just how he does things. Uh, he, believe me, he's got lots of other flaws, so this is not me uh, bragging. He has a few areas he does really well in. Uh, Memorization is one, um, and a lot of areas he does not do so well in. So, uh, But anyway, he 
we would go through solution uh, solvents and solutes and I'd say, listen, how do you, do you have a little trick to, to remember them? Do you have a way? He's like, no, I just know it. <laughs> I just laughed because there's no, I, I've been, I've been in studying science since I was in fifth grade. Uh, I was a biology undergrad and then I went back for a PA degree. I still don't remember the difference between a solvent and a solute. I know um, what they are, but I couldn't tell you which one is which. And I have the same issue with entropion and ectropion. And I know um, there are all kinds of mnemonics and ways to remember these things. I tend to not do great with mnemonics either. They don't help me as much as they help other people. I find just straight up memorizing things helps me more. Uh, but there are definitely these ones that I just have blocks on, and this is one of them. So I, I don't think this is a huge part of your test, but I think that you could spend, hopefully, if you're a little smarter than me, you could spend five minutes and come up with something where you could tell them apart, right? Because if you see this test question and you get it wrong on your pants or on your one of your final exams, you're going to be really upset. If you see uh, the answer choices C and D or entropion and ectropion, and you're sitting there staring at it and saying, oh my God, I know it's one of these, but I don't know which one. That's incredibly frustrating and it's silly. Uh, so spend a few minutes and straighten those out in your mind and make sure that you don't uh, confuse those two. There's not a lot else to know there, but that's how they're going to trip you up on that. They're just going to put them both in as an answer choice. Uh, and you're going to have to choose between them. That's going to be, I mean, it's so simple. It's so obvious to see. That's how I would write the test question uh, to make sure that you knew those two apart. Our last one for today is dacrocystitis. Uh, dacrocystitis is an inflammation of the nasolacrimal sac. Uh, this is usually caused by staph or strep, and this is a, also a clinical diagnosis. So this is a more toward the, the medial portion of the eye. You get the swelling infection in there. Uh, in the area of the lacrimal duct. It's red, swollen, and tender. Again, do you need to memorize red, swollen, and tender? No. If you know that there's an infection, then you know it's red, swollen, and tender, just like blepharitis, right? That wasn't that hard, just like a sty. If you know there's an infection, you know it's red, swollen, and tender. Labs and studies, you can culture and cram stain these. A warm compress and then appropriate oral antibiotics is going to be the key to treatment. All right, like I said, we're going to keep the eyeball ones kind of short uh, and break it up into four or five different sections. So that was going to be, that's it for today. Hold on to those, but take the time. And this is our study tip for today is take the time, what I just said before, and see the difference between the obvious things that are going to show up as two answers on a test question. You're going to get a test question that's going to say, it's going to describe an inflamed eyelid. And it's going to give you a couple of different terms. And it's going to say, your answer choices are blepharitis, dacrocystitis, chalazion, entropion, and hordulum. And you're going to say, oh, I know it's either a sty or a chalazion, but I can't remember which one. That's how you need to go about your studying. You need to separate out how do you tell which one, right? That's how you do it. Same thing with entropion and ectropion and telling blepharitis from dacrocystitis. It's figuring out your differential diagnosis. It's thinking of the things that should be on that list together. And then how do you tell them apart? That's a major study tip. When I go through and I study, that's what I'm studying. That's what I'm looking for. So spend some time working on that stuff, not just memorizing lists and lists and lists because lists disappear in your brain, right? You forget them. They get old. They get mixed with other lists. It's not studying things in a vacuum. It's studying things as they compare to other things. All right, let's wrap up with our test question. Or I'm sorry, our uh, questions for today and see if we can get any of these answers. Hopefully you picked up some as we went through. I think they were pretty obvious. These weren't too difficult, uh, and hopefully you'll be able to nail these as we go through them. 
is a Shalazion or a Hordulum more likely to be the result of a staph infection? A Hordulum is more likely to be the result of a staph infection. Describe an Entropion. Entropion. And again, if I weren't sitting here looking at it, I, I'd forget it again. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and look it up. Uh, this is an inversion of the eyelid. Inversion of the island, eyelid. Name three causes of ectropion. And again, that's pretty easy because invert the entropion and ectropion are pretty much the same. So congenital aging, scarring, and trauma will work here. Sweet. So that'll take us out for today. Again, these are just going to be quick little episodes as we go through the eyeball. I think that's going to be helpful. Uh, if you're not on there yet, definitely go check out the website, www.physicianassistantexamreview.com. Over on the eyeball pages, I've got, uh, you can pick up questions. So what I did was I took the first um, I forget how many from the ophthalmology section, but if, let's say I took the first 20 questions from the from the final step and made them available to you on any of the pages that have uh, where I post the notes on the eye. So definitely go check that out if you're interested in seeing those questions. That's a great place to do that and test yourself on the eyeball stuff and be able to go through that. So definitely take a look over there, www.physicianassistantexamreview.com. You can find all the notes and then again, those questions over on the website under any of the pages. And that's actually now for all uh, for all the topics. I actually went ahead and did that, took the first 10 or 15 questions and made it so you can access those uh, on the website so you'll have those available to you. Once you can take a look at the book if you don't have it yet because it's a great resource, but also two so that you have that available to you as a another study aid over on the website. All right, great. So that'll take us out for today. If you're not on the email list yet, definitely go over and check that out. I think you will find immense value there. And please let me know how you're making out in your exams. I do love to hear from people how their tests are going, what they're struggling with how they're uh, making out in general. Uh, it definitely helps keep me going, keep me interested. Recording the show is great and a lot of fun, but it's that communication with you guys that really uh, makes this valuable for me. So until next time, take care, good luck on your exams, and I will talk to you soon, and we'll be discussing more on the I.